Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, January 24th edition of the pod. Jake, I'm I'm a little bit on cloud nine right now. I don't know about you. Uh, why? I, I don't know if you saw this weekend, all the madness oh, that occurred oh, that. on the gridiron, but my San Francisco 49ers defeated Throw Rogan in Green Bay and are going to the NFC Championship game. I'm excited. And also, they're playing the Rams, who they have not lost to in three seasons. I know that I was, you know, people were really upset about all my smack talk on Twitter this weekend. Is it going to get worse? I'm sorry, but it's actually going to get worse. So just prepare yourselves. But really, you should just prepare yourselves for the idea of the 49ers being in the Super Bowl because it's happening. You know, record this, screenshot it, frame it, whatever you want. Bring your receipts because next Monday when we record, I will be saying that my team is headed to the Super Bowl. I can't wait. Okay, now, sorry, Felix. (laughs) I was actually planning a route for the 49ers just because I don't care. I don't really, I'm not a Rams fan, and I was going to do it to support a friend. But, you know, now with this overconfidence, I want the 49ers to lose just so all the Rams fans, because I know there are Rams fans that listen to this podcast, that's just how it is. Uh, can clip this are there, and just are throw there it back Rams at you. Fans out there? Yeah, DB Lowry right did, now. Did you is, see is what saying. they had to do for their stadium? They had to to geo lock. All right, Let, let's let's move on. <laughs> the Ducks played today. Yeah. So anyway, with all that aside, I just you know I thought I'd throw it in there. I think I think people enjoy the the silliness. They one hundred percent do. But uh, you know uh, the we, Ducks won. We 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 got to. I mean, hey, if I'm gonna have to bear your wrestling talk, um, I think that we can bear me. Uh, gloating about an actually relevant first off sport secondly uh, much more appealing entertainment product so (laughs) wow (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah that might have been a bit a bit overboard a little Um, harsh a little harsh not really it's wrestling um let's talk about tonight's game though yes yes please the anaheim ducks uh are they back? Are they all the way back? Uh, it, they're it, getting they're getting close. They're getting la, closer. La, last week, last how was it? Last weekend, last Monday, we had this drawn out conversation about how you know the Ducks are kind of falling back to earth slightly for reasons outside of their control, also for reasons that are in their control, and they're kind of about where they expected. But now, Jake, I sit here before you today, and tonight they beat the Boston Bruins five to three. And didn't just beat them five to three. They they beat them handily. Like like this was a game where the Ducks outplayed an elite Eastern Conference team. And then on Friday, they beat the back to back Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning at Honda Center five to one. Now that game was a little more noisy, I would say, but nonetheless. Yeah. And and I, that game, by the way, decimated roster. Like tonight, you have guys back. It's it's n- not quite that same angle, but like the Ducks are. The Ducks are I mean, playing well and pulling out results. To put any context, the Bru- Boston Bruins lead the league in expected goals for percentage. Like yeah. this, this is the best. I mean, the Ducks have a really fun stretch where they play the best team tonight, and then on was on Wednesday they play the second best team in the league in the Maple Leafs. the The Bruins are at fifty seven point three seven percent expected goals for percentage. Maple Leafs are at fifty five point eight percent. So, uh. A little bit of a tough stretch for the Ducks, but I mean, they handled tonight really well. I mean, they played a lot better than you would have expected, but I think a large part of that is 
kind of like you said, uh, they're getting healthy. They're getting guys back. Troy Terry back in the lineup. Cam Fowler back in the lineup. Adam Henrique is back with the team and skating, and so who knows when when he'll be back, but it should be somewhat he, soon. He looked – I mean, I saw the video of him skating. I don't know if he was just warming up, but still looks a little little limited. So, I, I, I mean, yeah, you're right about the schedule, though. I mean, it's, it's only going to get tougher. I mean, you've got the Maple Leafs. You've got the Canadians on Thursday. Uh, the Ottawa Senators – you know the. I mean, the, this is a tough stretch. You're right. The, the Canadians are not to be not to I, be. I with. more so meant these next two games, but sure, sure. If you want to, <laughs> you want to pump the tires no, of a team that just lost eight to two tonight. I mean, we were joking about this in our Discord, but I may actually root for the Ducks against Montreal. Like, like you know, give me give me Shane Wright just all day every day. There um, it is. There it is. But yeah, so I think though that it's important to note just how decimated. The Ducks were. I mean, the, the the game where they beat Tampa Bay, they were missing Terry, Milano, Fowler, Manson, Benoit, Henrique, and then you've got Stolarz, who's in the protocol. Well, you got Jones also still out. Jones. I mean, but that's kind of a given. And then Dallas yeah. Akins in protocol. Yeah. So they're missing all their guys. They're missing their actual coach. Um, so that was just an impressive kind of gutsy win. And then tonight, you know, they get Terry and Fowler back. Um, still no Dallas Akins. There's, you know, I don't think Benoit's back yet either. No, he's um, not. No Manson either. So, still, still not your full squad by any stretch. And of course, Milano is—is is he on IR? Um, or is he day to day? I think he was added to IR, but let me double check that. But I mean, it's a scary situation. I think with yeah, he's uh, on with, IR. Yeah. yeah, with Sonny Milano, he's still in Orange County. He did not travel with the team. Yeah. And I I don't like speculating on this because neither of us have any information, but I guess I'll do it slightly. The, by the sounds of it, all the conversation that, that kind of has been had from the coaching staff to everything like that, um, it really does sound kind of like it's another concussion from the, the discussion from Dallas Akins that he went out there and had a skate after practice and just didn't feel right and, and yeah. things like that. Th- those aren't the way that you describe a, a broken jar, things like that, that that's something yeah. that is more so a concussion, which is, is a real bummer because son of Milano, I think you and I both agree on this. He may be the second best forward on the team this year. I, I think that, yeah. I think Troy Terry is the best forward on the team. I think Trevor Egress is also up there, but I think Sonny Milano is right in that same tier as those two guys. And that shows you just how good Sonny Milano has been for the ducks this season. And I think losing him is a huge blow. It's a huge loss for this team. And I guess it puts into perspective just how good they play tonight without him, but it, it really sucks. And you really, I mean, this is a complete tangent, but you really feel for the guy because of what he went through last year. The fact that he had to have a sit down conversation with Dallas Akins and get sent down um, earlier in the season, understood that that was probably going to happen and kind of put in the work that like did what he needed to do and got to the NHL and has become a very important piece. And it's just, it's a bummer. And I hope it, it's not a long-term thing. Yeah. I think that you're, you're right on the money there with Milano. It's, I hate to use this word because it's not like, we don't know everything yet and we don't know how long about, but it's kind of tragic, right? Like this, this supremely gifted player. Um, and let's not forget that it took Sonny Milano to bring out the best in Trevor Zegras this season. Like, yeah. Without Milano, I don't think you get the full Zegras experience. Um, I mean, quite literally, you don't get the, the highlight of the season without Sonny Milano. And just beyond that, the impact that he has in all three zones. And so to just see him kind of have this bad luck yet again, um, you know, it sucks because with concussions, and again, we don't, it's not confirmed, but with concussions, there is that compounding effect, right? Where it doesn't 
it doesn't get better the more of them you have, right? And so that that might seem a little obvious, but that is the reality. And so hoping that that Milano is going to make a full mm-hmm. recovery, hoping that maybe it's not a concussion. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't know that for sure, but it just sucks to see. And he is such an important piece of, to this team. And again, it just to 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 bring it back into perspective, just the madness that it was to not have him on this team to start the season, right? To to not see what he was bringing to the ice in the preseason and to think, hey, that's a piece that we could use in the lineup. Um, so anyway, he's missed. Hopefully it'll be a, a speedy recovery, but we just don't know that. So yeah, that that makes what the Ducks are doing right now all the more impressive that they're, mm-hmm. that they're doing it. And look, the other thing that we don't talk about enough is that the fact that, yeah, these guys are coming back from COVID protocol True. And, and some of them sure are asymptomatic and, and like, like Trevor's egress and Contois and feel fine, but others like Sam Carrick have a really rough go of it. And look, it's, it's well-documented that COVID can affect you longer term. And so these guys might not be a hundred percent, even if they're back from the protocol. Um, and so it's just there, this show, we focus almost exclusively on the on ice product because that's, you know, that's really what should be the focus, right? That's where the truth is. But I think in a season like this, you just can't overlook the human element. Just oh, how yeah, how difficult it must be to just slog through this thing. Well, yeah, and, and, and to that point, I mean, Dallas Akins is not going to be able to to join the team until they play in Detroit. Um, I believe that uh, Jeff Ward is not going to be able to travel with the team to Canada because he his first positive COVID test came. Uh, shorter than 10 days ago. And so you mm-hmm. have to have had 10 days clear in order to cross the border. I believe actually, luckily um, today would be 10 days for Troy Terry. Tomorrow will be 10 days for Cam Fowler. So I think both of them actually will be eligible to play against Toronto and cross the border as of tomorrow. So that's good news for the ducks. Uh, don't quote me on that fully, but that's just the, the quick little count that I did. But I mean, you're right. You can see it right there. Just, I mean, look at how many guys we constantly are looking at like, all right, when can these guys come back? And you're right. The question isn't always when can they come back just from a day's perspective, but when are they healthy enough to come back? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's impressive what they're doing. Um, and it does make me, you know, it's, it's a good reminder that when this team is healthy or even anywhere close to it, like they are a much, much different team than we've mm-hmm. seen in, in recent well, years. I mean, even in tonight's game, to, to now jump more so into the game, I mean, Troy Terry returned. What did you think of his game? I mean, this was his first game back. This was the first game with Troy Terry as an all-star. Yeah, yeah, something that we haven't mentioned yet, but Troy Terry is an all-star. Voted in, last man in, and uh, I, I believe it was on this show last week that we got our Oh, that's in. right. That yep. came out afterwards. You're right, you're right. Maybe we were the swing votes. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Really cool, by the way, what the Ducks did with that video. Um, you know, hi, or I guess the little video presentation with Terry in front of his teammates and, uh, you know, Aikens and the speech and all that. It was really cool. But yeah, Troy Terry is an all star. He'll be joining John Gibson over there and Trevor Zegers uh, in Vegas. But I mean, Terry looked amazing tonight. Like, he yeah. did not, he did not look like he missed a, a beat whatsoever. I mean, just trying stuff, right? Like, like the, the, the play. I think it was in the third period, maybe the second. I'm, I'm misremembering right now, but he's driving down the right wing, and a lot like what we, you know, talked about last week with with Daryl Belfry and his commentary on Terry. But he's got he's got the puck on his hip, on his forehand, and he comes in at a severe angle and 
rings one off the crossbar with almost no angle to shoot. Um, and then, of course, the goal that he scored. I mean, to knock that puck down midair in the neutral zone and then to mm-hmm. gain the offensive zone with control to then pull in the puck to change the angle of the release and go top shelf on Tuka Rask. I mean, that <laughs> it's just crazy watching him do these things because there's this and this is another Belfry quote, but it's it's like you're layering on the different skills. You're stacking the skills. And it's just all these different things that he does so well that are that make him able to mm-hmm. to dominate the game in different ways. So, yeah, he looked he looked fantastic. Yeah, and, and that line was really good tonight. And, and we'll get a little bit more into the line of decisions because you and I both have thoughts overall. But I think that's <laughs> more so discussion. I think after the game, after we discuss the game, but this the steel Comtois Terry line on the whole was really good. I mean, they were Comtois ended up with a seventy nine percent expected goals four percentage. Sam Steele seventy seven percent expected goals four percentage. Troy Terry at sixty three percent. So they were probably one of the best duck or best offensive line from the Ducks or best lines in terms of. Uh, being able to create more than they were uh, giving up against, uh, not necessarily the or no Comtois did have the highest expected goals for um, for the Ducks, so that was a really good line for the Ducks tonight. And I think a lot of that is probably driven by Troy Terry. I mean, we've seen his ability to be a big motor for this Ducks team, a big play driver, someone that can really get the puck going in the other direction, really push his teammates um, and, and create chances for not only himself but his teammates. So I yeah, think I mean, that they, they could have scored more. I think Comtois yeah. had like a clear like Terry set him up in the slot perfectly. Yep. And he just and, couldn't, couldn't tap it in. And, and so I think, let me ask you this. Do you think, how much of that do you think is Comtois and Steele elevating their games? And how much of that do you think is just Troy Terry being a dominant force this season? Uh, Well, it's weird, right? Because Steele, as much as we dunk on him, and now you almost feel bad a little bit, but Steele's numbers, if you look at his RAPM charts, the one thing he's good at this year is suppressing shot quality against. Like, a total zero at driving offense. Actually, worse than that. Um, But for whatever reason, like, holds up his end of the bargain defensively. And you can't you can't perfectly split those two things because it's a fluid game. But and then with Contois, it's the same thing, right? Doesn't I mean this year his offensive play driving has really taken a step back, but his defense has also gotten a lot better. So neither of those guys, though, on their own are that great. But when you put in a Terry who is just a beast on both ends of the, of the ice, mm-hmm. I think that that just that makes it so that you can get by with those guys. So I yeah. think it's it's probably like 70-30, Terry. Yeah. Fair enough. Makes sense. I, I don't know. Am I am I not giving Sam Steele no, a I, known, I think that's... known 131 point scorer, Sam Steele, enough credit here? I, I think that's accurate. I think Sam Steele has definitely elevated his game from where it was earlier on in the season, but he was just miserable in the beginning. I think the of thing season. with Sam Steele is that he can just look so bad at times. Like yeah. there there was a play, I think it was against Tampa Bay where he's just skating. There's no one around him in the neutral zone. And he's, he's curling back on his backhand and he just, he just like steps on a banana peel and wipes out. And then the, the lightning get the puck and go the other way with it. Like he just has these moments where it's almost, you have to discipline yourself to separate those from the actual on ice, you know, the, the, the Oh yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of what we talk about all the time that you can't let individual plays impact your view of a player, whether yeah. they're both good and bad, you have to be able to take their game as a whole, um, into consideration and their overall impact when they're on the like, ice. I will so, say this. I will say this. Sam Steele is not the ducks worst player. No, he is not. 
Do you want is, to out who do you think the worst player is? Is that is that damning with faint praise? Who do you think the worst player is? Oh, I'm, I want to say confidently. Actually, yes, very confidently. It's Nick Delorier. Yeah. Which real quick before let's move on him or onto him. Nick Delorier got hurt early on in this game. Yeah. And and, 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 and so I mean, like I I don't I think he's their least effective player, but I fully acknowledge that he's clearly beloved by the team, yeah. and the coaches and the fans, I mean, the, the fight that he had with Curtis McDermott, right? Like the, the legendary scrap. But yeah, tonight, I mean, eats a very nasty hit. I don't know if you can call it that. Just gets shoved. He got boarded. In the numbers. Yeah, boarded. Um, did not result in a five-minute major. Yeah, it, I, I don't know what they that's saw gotta, that, on the review to bring it down from a There's got to be a supplemental discipline potential here, right? <sighs> You would think so, but I don't know. I mean, it depends on if player safety disagrees with the view that the referees on the ice had. And so, I mean, the referees were able to review that. And granted, the referees may not have the same overall view as the Department of Player Safety. But I would guarantee if that Department of Player Safety gives them a suspension, they're going to talk to those refs so that next time they know what they're looking at and they make the call right. Because if they give them a suspension, then clearly they disagree with the call, uh, the call being changed from a five minute to a two minute. Well, I guess my question is, and I actually don't really know this, what elevates a boarding from a minor to a major? Like, is it the force, the recklessness? For, yeah, force and recklessness. I mean, that was, I feel like that hit was ticking those boxes, right? No, I agree. Like the fact that he extended out um, right in the back, right onto the, right, right into the glass, like that seems to go beyond just your kind of run of the mill, uh, you know, minor penalty for boarding. So here's the exact ruling of it uh, for a major penalty for boarding. The referee at his discretion may assess a major penalty based on the degree of violence of the impact with the boards to a player guilty of boarding an opponent of an, uh, of an opponent. So uh-huh. that, that is the wording of it. It's basically based on the degree of violence of the impact with the boards. Right, right, exactly. So I don't know, looked like there was enough there for me. Uh, I mean, Delorier had to be, I mean, he did not return to the game. Uh, the Ducks and, reported as a lower body injury, which I thought was odd. Yeah. I mean, regardless, he left the game yeah. because of that hit. Like, yep. And so that, to me, kind of shows the forcefulness of the hit. Um, anyway, I mean, it's just very unfortunate to see. Uh, you don't want to see anyone go down like that. Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, kind of I mean, digging into this game a little bit more, the Ducks scored a power play goal early in the game. Ryan Getzlaff, cannon of a slap shot from the right wing and grazes off of Derek Grant's body. So Getzlaff doesn't get the credit for it, but this is something that you and I were talking about yesterday. And I think it's worth discussing a little bit here because yes, the ducks have been getting some power play production. Uh, they got that goal tonight. And at first glance, you would think, Oh, you know, th- things are rosy. They're getting goals, but the unit in particular where you have a Hampus Lindholm, Jakob Silverberg, Derek Grant, it just, it's not working despite the results for right now. Like the, the long-term view on this or even the medium-term view is not that promising. This type of power play long-term is how you end up with a power play that produces the way the Ducks did last year. Right. Like that 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 is how you end up in the situation the Ducks were in last year by having these types of guys. And it, it, it's pretty clear when you're out, when you're watching the, the Ducks next game, because I guarantee sometimes coaching staff, things like that, they they see a goal going. They're going to put that guy back out there. They're going to run that yep. same unit. The, this is going to be the unit next game. 
So right. really keep an eye on this next game, everyone out there for Wednesday night. Watch how the puck movement is on, on this unit. Yes, there's Getzloff. Yes, there's Zegris. But those two are the only guys that really can make a, a difficult pass and, and really take advantage of the man advantage to really open up the ice. And so whenever – and I think Lindholm is the one that I'm really the most critical of on that unit. Yeah. Because I think that while, yes, Derek Grant has his flaws, I think he does br- provide some value with being able to retrieve pucks, like you said, like you and I were talking about before we went live, actually, below the net. And he also does a decent enough job in front of the net. And Silverberg, um, I think if he has some time and space, he can take the shot. The issue I have mainly, and they're, they're still not ideal, but you can at least make an argument for them. The issue with Lindholm on this unit is that he just doesn't have the ability to distribute the puck in a way that really helps uh, helps the team. And really, when you see Lindholm out there, the only thing he tries to do is fire it from the point. And a f- yeah. shot from the point just isn't a beneficial uh, use of the power play. You're not taking advantage of the open space. You're not taking advantage of moving the goalie. You're just throwing it and hoping that maybe it finds a way in. And more likely than not, that's just going to result in a turnover and the puck going the other direction. And so really watch when Lindholm gets the puck, what what happens. Is the puck move quickly? Does it end up creating another chance afterwards? I think more likely than not, you're going to end up with a situation where the puck gets on Lindholm's stick. He holds it for a second or two and then just moves it. And, and it's not as if even, even in a uh, way that would end up being dangerous. It's just a way that kind of is nonchalant or he holds it and eventually puts off a slap shot. And it's different if he was receiving the puck and getting shots off quick on a cross ice pass, like uh, DB Lowry somewhat uh, jokingly says, tell that to pattern Jake. And, and the difference with, we'll get to that pattern goal a little bit more later, but on that pattern goal, the puck goes low to high and then he yes. wires it Com- completely and, different. And, yeah. and so there's a, a, a puck movement that creates Tuka Rast to move, makes him uh, change his footing, get it, gets him in a different spot. Whereas Lindholm was just kind of holding onto the puck and then really short puck movement afterwards. And it's not really doing anything dangerous with it. And, and so I think that's the biggest issue. Whereas honestly, when you watch the second unit that has Shattenkirk and has Dreisel out there, they're always looking to either move the puck or change their shooting angle, change their pass angle, really adjust things while they're out there so that they can find a different guy and move the puck to open up shooting lanes. Because you have to have one of two things when you're on a power play to be successful. You either have to have a lot of player movement or or quick puck movement because one of the other has to happen to either open up uh, passing lanes through the defensive uh, defensive structure, or you have to have the quick puck movement to get the goalie to move. And those are your two options there. And right. the issue for this first unit is this first unit right now, and it's a bummer because Zegris doesn't really do this, but overall this first unit is just looking for that one shot, and that's it. And they're looking for essentially a one-timer, or not even a one-timer, but just a, a slap shot from high. And that's honestly, sure, it worked. It, it yeah. worked for, for the Getzloff goal. But that's not going to be a repeatable thing. No, and, and that's that's the problem is that you you watch them try to work the puck around and it's so stationary, right? It's just, you know, you, you, you work it down low, back to the half wall, back to the point, you know, the exchange at the point, back down to the half wall. Like there's just no, nothing is going across that penalty killing box. There's nothing that's putting the penalty killers in a compromised position. And, and yeah, it's well and good when you get one to go in. But like you said, it's not something that you can really count on to continue. And so I guess my question from all of that is just, and I we tweeted about this over the weekend, but you know, like the numbers back this up. Like the Ducks generate less expected goals for per 60 by a considerable margin with Lindholm on the ice, like non-negligible. They go from, and this was before today's game, but they go from 6.5 to, to basically five. So you're you're dropping a goal and a half expected. 
with Lindholm on the ice um, versus without him. I think that go- that just goes to show how the shots just get a lot less dangerous when he's out there because he's he gets he peppers the net, but there's just the the danger level just goes way down. So the question though for me with all of this is just what happened to this Ducks power play, right? Where in the beginning of the season we were singing their praises, you 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 wouldn't hear the end of the Newell Brown. Jeff Ward narrative, right? Things are just so rosy. And all of a sudden, it feels like they've reverted back to what they were doing last year. And I just wonder, you know, do we have to revise the Newell Brown slash Jeff Ward praise? Or do we have to maybe, um, I don't know, like where, what do we do with this information now? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think in some ways it almost feels like I think they were being they were successful earlier on in the season with their units, and then at a certain point, whether it was injury, whether it was different things, they had to shake up their units a little bit. And by doing that, they kind of uh, screwed some things up, and maybe they went back to some things that happened last season. And I think maybe they hit a dry spell, and then they tried to quote unquote simplify yeah. their power play. That's always and, the line, right? And when you try to simplify your power play, what you're really doing is you're taking less effective shots. And maybe they'll go in, and if they go in, maybe you think that this is working. But long-term, that's not going to be a, a, a way for success. Right, exactly. And it's just funny because you watch that second unit uh, get out there, and it's just a completely different ball game. You know, the, the puck is just pinging around the ice. They're getting looks. Um, I just think if they were to fix one thing, it would be what you were talking about, which is don't just don't play Lindholm on the power play. Play any other defense. I mean, you're not going to play Benoit or, I mean, you're, you're not going to play Patteron out there. On the I mean, you play. could play Mahura. Mahura was a power play guy. Yeah, but I mean, I think if you just stick to one of the three or even two of the three of Drysdale, uh, Fowler, and Shattenkirk, you're in a good spot because despite how bad Shattenkirk has been this year at five on five, he's been very effective on the power play. Yeah. Like he's, he's actually full value on the power play. And so that just tells me like, get him out there more. Get him out there, and just if you just replace the Lindholm minutes with the Shattenkirk minutes, you're in a much better spot already just by doing that. So yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I'm trying to look, and it's hard. Uh, I'd like to maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive to see how the expected goals per sixty have kind of gone throughout the season uh, for this Ducks team. But it definitely has taken a dive overall because earlier on in the season they were doing a really good job yep. uh, of. Uh, of producing chances for. And I think, I mean, for, correct me if I'm wrong, Cam Fowler wasn't using the power play tonight. And I think that that was a really interesting decision. And maybe part of that was trying to limit his minutes uh, as he's coming back, um, yeah. coming back from COVID. And, and that very well could be the case. Yeah. But I found that interesting that Lindholm was still in that top unit and there was Drysdale Shattenkirk on the second unit. I just think they're legitimately happy with Lindholm. And then you've got Drysdale and Shattenkirk who have been in the mix. And, I'm just going to throw this out there because I get it a decent amount on Twitter. So might as well just throw it out there and get your opinion. Do you buy at all the, the thought that they're showcasing Lindholm also by putting him in a power play role? I just want to quickly add before I answer that, that Fowler, had the second most minutes tonight of any ducks player. Yeah. So I don't think that they were limiting him. Uh, they just did, didn't did that with no power play time either. Yeah. Um, do I think they're showcasing him? Part of me wants to say yes because that's the only thing that makes it make sense to me. But they were putting him on the power play last year, right? I don't think so. I think Th- they this did. this feels like a very new thing. 
No, they put him on the power play last year. I distinctly remember this. Let's see if I'm right or wrong. Okay. Uh, so this year he's got he's got well this is it says 33 minutes on evolving hockey. I don't know if that's 100% correct. But this last year that, yeah, he that played, sounds about right. He played less on the power play, but he yeah. still played. Like he he still touched the ice with the man advantage. Like I just don't think that should ever happen. Um I don't know. I just I think that there's this whole thing going around with the Ducks uh, about, you know, the defenseman jumping up, you know, the defenseman production. And I think that they just see Lindholm as part of that. I really do. And I I just I don't think that they would play him out there if they didn't think that they that it would put them in a good position to score. I just I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm I'm, I'm being too naive, but I don't think it's a showcase thing. I think that that's just who they see as a good option. Like they've been doing this for months now this season. Have they been planning to trade him for months? Maybe. Yeah, you don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I I agree that it, it's something that it's it's it kind almost, of unknowable, right? That's yeah, I I really don't think it's the case though. I I just think it's a little bit too conspiracy theory. theory. I mm-hmm. think that it's the Ducks. I, I think the Ducks really want. I, I think the simplifying the game is the better way to the the better they, way to view it. And the way that, that guy, like he's yeah. Not, well, and here's the here's the funny thing to me in all this is that I think they also see him as like a safer option on the power play. Like, yes, I do think they worry a little bit about getting scored against on the power play. And they think Lindholm is that guy, but they actually give up more chances with Lindholm on the ice than without on the power play, which to me goes with the idea that he takes a lot of point shots, which have a higher likelihood of getting blocked, which then have turned into a higher likelihood of turning into a chance the other way. So... Anyway, this is just a long, drawn-out way of saying don't play him on the power play. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but back to the game, though. I mean, Ryan Getzlaff, the goal that he actually got credit for was a beautiful goal. I mean, yeah. cutting cutting in on his forehand, going around his defender, and then just kind of placing it into the slot and slamming that puck, uh, wires it past to Karask. I mean, it's kind of funny because I feel like Ryan Getzlaff still – doesn't really get enough credit for how good he's been this season. And I think a lot of that is because of just the fact that he only has three goals this year. Um, I mean, he's shooting, let's see, after tonight, he's shooting 3.8%, which is a big jump. He was in the two range uh, before tonight's game. So anyway, all this to say that he's still very good, still a very important player to this team, even at age 36. Yep. Agreed with that completely. Um, also, we skipped over the uh, uh, Isaac Lundestrom shorthanded goal. Yeah, yeah, big, uh, big Sam Steele energy on that goal. I actually was not able to see the goal, seeing as I was driving home. Want to explain it to me? Well, basically, he was driving to the net with one hand on his stick, and you know, cut in not a not really a breakaway, but just kind of a one on one situation, and kind of, sort of tries to push the puck towards the net with one hand, but more likely than not, it looks like he just kind of lost it. And somehow it just finds its way through the pads of Tuka Rask. Like a very unintentional goal, I yeah. would say. Okay, sounds um, about right. Yeah, and then outside of that, I mean, you got Greg Patteron with a monstrous goal. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the that's the goal that kind of broke the camel's back because at that point, maybe the, the Bruins have a better chance of coming back. That made it 5-2. to two. 
The yeah. highlights the highlight to me on that goal, I mean, it's a great shot, but is this, the pass by Trevor Zegras. Oh, yeah. The pass by Trevor Zegras was just fantastic. I mean, it was a two-on-one break for, for Raquel and Zegras, and Raquel ends up finding Zegras, puts it a little bit between his skates, isn't able to really get a shot off, and then he's able to corral the puck and get it back below the goal line and is able to find uh, Greg Pattering kind of coming in who's able to wire it. And as that guy Bobski said in our Discord chat, it was a patter bomb. <laughs> yeah, I actually like that. It rolls off the tongue. It does. It does. So... There you go. Great pattern uh, wiring a slap shot for the Ducks to give them the 5-2 the lead. I mean, Troy Terry also scored earlier in the period with the goal that we had talked about already where he just breaks in and just wires a really nice shot, uh, kind of does a nice little toe drag to, to whip it uh, past to Garask. And uh, the Ducks end up having the 5-2 the lead. Boston gets a goal to make it 5-3, but that's kind of all she wrote for this game. Yep. And, I mean, to me, though, the highlight of the week despite the fact that this was a great win for the Ducks. To me, the highlight of the week remains the win against Tampa Bay on Friday. Oh, yeah. Because of how good John Gibson was. I mean, he posted his highest GSAX of the season, 3.38. He just blew the pass number, uh, his previous best, out of the water. Um, And just made spectacular saves, like like one after the other. Particularly, I mean, Steven Stamkos must have had nightmares after that game with some of the just the glove saves that he made on him on off of two on ones, one timers, open looks. This, I mean, it was, it might've been the best game I've seen John Gibson play. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it, it's not far behind if, if there's any uh, better ones, but he was outstanding. And I think it's kind of important to note because we have definitely been on the show more critical of Gibson than just about anyone else. I think that talks about the ducks regularly and, mm-hmm. Not and we've never made the claim that he's this bad goalie or whatever, but just hey, the reputation might not fully match the 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 performance. But this season, I mean, before tonight, he was in the top five in goals saved above expected. Now he's seventh in the league. Um, but he's having he's turning this into a damn good season for him. And I think I was writing a, a player grades article last night and I was thinking about it. How should I grade John Gibson? Because on one hand, Right, I think a lot of people would say that you expect him to play this well, uh, that that this is this is who John Gibson is. But in the last two seasons, wasn't the case at all. And so I think that the fact that he's played this well, it should it's really encouraging. He's he's surpassing expectations to me. I did not think that he could play this well this season, and he has. So yeah, full, no, fully, he... de- fully deserving of the All Star berth. I think that he has been good this year. I think there's no doubt. I think that. I maybe would push back slightly that he has been all-star level, but I think he's been a top-tier goalie in this league. Well, I think let, he's been. Let, let me ask you this though: what, How do we define all-star level? Because he's seventh. There's the, no. There's no goalie in the NHL, or sorry, there's no goalie in the Pacific Division that has better numbers than him right now. Well, I think in some ways the issue, in some cases, with doing GSAX just by itself is it's a pure counting stat. So by the fact sure. that he's played the most games, he's going to be able to accumulate the highest total there. And while granted it does go up and down, so that's a part of it, I think that... It... Well, look at it this way. He's got a higher... Now this is getting nerdy, but he's uh-huh. got a higher delta save percentage than Jonathan Quick. So. Yeah. That's fair. So he's actually outperforming expected. And and that's fair. And I think that a lot of my thing was kind of stating that I thought quick had a better argument to be there than Adrian Kempe. Uh And and so I think that that was a a large part of that. But um, I I think he has been good. And I think that the pushback I would say is I don't think he's been this elite level goalie this season. 
I think he's he's on a hot streak right now. Yeah. I think that that's fair to say. He hasn't been this good all year. Yeah. Um, th- there have definitely been some bumps in the road, but just for him to get to this height, I think it's it has to be talked about because he hasn't done it in years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that he he definitely is having his best season in years, though. And I think that we even said that, though, when we still were talking about him and saying yeah. that he's good. He's been playing better this year than he has basically all of the last couple seasons. And I think that that's what is, is a good thing. I mean, Jay Fresh put out his his cards, and I think per his war model, uh, I think he's in the 90-plus plus percentile for war yeah. this season. Well, here's what's, here's what's interesting with Gibson, and we've talked about this a bit, but he's he's been pretty much the best goalie in the NHL while shorthanded. Like yes. he, he is the reason that the ducks power, the ducks penalty kill hasn't been just completely exposed. He's number one in the NHL and goals saved above expected while shorthanded. Now, you know, caveats, cumulative, what have you, but still like he's number one. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to give him some credit for that. And even if you look by Delta save percentage, I mean, he's still uh, blowing everyone out. That's like right behind him. Yeah. I mean, Billy Huso has played 10 games. So, I don't really know what to make of that. Um, hasn't been quite as dominant at, on, you know, at even strength that five on five, which is kind of interesting. But it just goes to show, like on the penalty kill, you. I mean, it's such a cliche, but you need your goaltender to be your best penalty killer, and he's been the league's best penalty killer. So yeah, DB Lowry thirty five oh seven brings up this point. I think that this is the best way to look at it. And I think that we we've kind of said this also. Uh, I think we've gotten used to seeing uh, this kind of play from Gibson to start the season, but not sustained over a full season since probably twenty eighteen or maybe twenty nineteen. I think that that's the most critical point, honestly, in all of this is that Gibson always would start out hot and then kind of tail off and, and just almost be sub replacement level for yeah. the rest of the season. Well, I think what's interesting is that he kind of started a little flat and had some ups and then a few downs, but never had that kind of monstrous upswing to start the year. And it's it seems like now he's climbing, right? Which is interesting. It's it's not the usual script from him that we usually get. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there's just, there's a lot of great things to point out with this team right now that are going well. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at his last, so here are his last uh, three games. Yeah, last three games that he played in, going back, so the fly... Flyers, Colorado, Tampa Bay, because he was out for a bit there. Against Tampa Bay, 3.39 GSAX. Against Colorado, 2.06. Against Philadelphia, 2.14. I mean, even going back further, Colorado and on January 2nd, negative 0.3, but really not that far negative. Against Vegas on uh, December 31st, 1.87. Against Vancouver on uh, December 29th, 2.58. Like in order to find his last like real negative impact game, you have to go all the way back tonight. to that Arizona Oops. game. Oops. What? <laughs> I was gonna say tonight. He was negative tonight, but well, like really large, yeah, yeah, yeah. largely negative game was yeah, against yeah, yeah. the Coyotes. Yeah. No, which is kind of baffling. Um, do you want to get a word in first before we? Do we have a ad read today? Yes, we do. Though? Yes, okay, we do. Because we're at forty so, minutes, so we should probably. Yeah. We'll probably so, do that. I, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up uh, Trevor Zegers being on the wing. We'll, we'll, we'll get to there. We'll get to there. So before, we'll before there. we, we'll get to that. I don't know. Okay, thank it's you. late. I'm tired. Uh, it's eight thirty. You know, stop. I'm just not giving you any <laughs> any rope here. Sorry. Uh, it's time for a word from our sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Mac Walden. 
It's no secret that we all want to look our best this winter, right? Mack Weldon is the expert when it comes to essential clothing that's perfect for the cold. Whether you need a legit warm shirt or looking to upgrade your sweats collection, Mack Weldon has exactly what you're looking for. And if it's not convenient enough, let me tell you about Mack, Mack Weldon's daily wear system. All the clothes work together for real. So whether you're headed to work, going for a run, or just hanging out on the couch, getting dressed takes no effort at all. So Felix, Mac Walton's actually been a long-term sponsor of the show. Yeah. And have been nice enough to send us some pretty nice things. Yeah. What are what what are your favorite items from Mac Walden? Because I mean you and I are, are big fans of their gear. Yeah. So I think this time of year in particular, right, when it gets a little chillier, although I mean today, uh where I live it was warm, but when it gets chillier, especially at night, right? Like it's it's still pretty freezing at night. This is the time of year where, to me, the Ace sweatpant shines. Like this is its time. This is its time to show the world why it is such a great product. Um, it's the most comfortable sweatpant that I've ever worn. Uh, I think it's it's got a nice fit. It's more of an athletic look. It's not the baggy uh, early two thousands wrapper look in terms of sweatpants. Uh, really nice fitting warm but also it doesn't get too warm so if you go out for a walk you go to you know your local grocery store to pick up some eggs what have you you're also not going to look like just completely like a schlep either you can still look uh, stylish and so i can't really recommend the ace sweatpant enough it definitely might enable uh some of my lazier habits but that's okay i'm a big fan of the ace sweatpant yep and i mean so have I. I mean, you and I have, have long text conversations about who's going to work out first in their ace sweatpants because yeah. they're legitimately perfect for whatever you want. Going on your daily walks, which everyone, go on yeah. daily walks. It's very go on good, a daily for your, walk. good for your mental health. Ace sweatpants are fantastic for that. Whether you're lifting, whether you're going out to the market, whether you're going on a road trip. Actually, ace sweatpants, they're great good for driving. Great, for road, driving. great road, twi- uh, road trip sweats. Good um, for gaming. Good for playing Halo. Anything that you could want, the Ace sweatpant is there for you. And also kind of one of the great things about Mack Walden is their underwear. So every new year, I refresh my top drawer. New underwear and new styles, you get it. Uh, And speaking as an underwear aficionado, no one does underwear like Mack Walden. They literally have a pair with technical fabrics for every single activity in my routine. Legitimately, they 100% do. They're great. They're they're fantastic. They're they're elite. It's kind of like I... The majority of my underwear now come from Mack Weldon for good reason. They are extremely high quality. Yep. So you can check check out Mack Weldon and, uh, for yourself and save 20% on your first order. You can visit MacWeldon.com slash CTP100 and enter promo code CTP100. Again, that's MacWeldon.com slash CTP100 and enter promo code CTP100 for 20% off. Find your perfect look for this winter. Thank yes. you so much, Mac Weldon. Yeah. Yeah. Someone someone was texting me today and I was telling him, like, yeah, I'm out on a walk, uh, trying to get some sun, you know, tan a little bit, uh, since you know it's it's a nice day. And they were like, It's winter. And I'm like, Well, yeah, but winter in Southern California is like could pass for summer in other areas of the world. So just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> still still get your winter gear though. Okay. Let's talk about this. Why are we back? to square zero and by square zero you know what the hell i'm talking about i'm talking about trevor zegris being on the wing i thought that our long national nightmare was over i thought that the bob murray press release last season was going to be the last of this and yet here we are jake it's 2022 
uh, you know, like we we have all we have modern medicine, we have science, and yet we still can't get Trevor Zegers to play on his natural position. Explain this to me. So I think in order to tell this story correctly, we have to go all the way back to the Colorado game earlier this week when the Ducks first put Trevor Zegers on the wing. And for that game, it felt like they were probably doing something based upon the lineup and different things like yeah, that. Yeah, you and I had a little bit of a text squabble over that. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I, I didn't think it was this hor- a horrendous decision. I think that there were probably better ways you could do it. But I think in that game... Well, you're missing, you're missing like, your entire team. Yeah, and so at least it, it's the same... It's the concept of, all right, well, we're missing everyone. So instead of putting Zegris with, like, some... With Sam Seal and, and who know and, and Comtois, you're loading him up and putting him with Getzloff and Raquel to the spot where he can make the maximum impact on the game. So, all right. Fine, I get it. If you want to do that against them, want to do it against Tampa also because you're missing guys, sure. But when Troy Terry comes back, that's when I start to 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 get puzzled by by all of this because to me, the lineup tonight w- was really confusing because why would you put Troy Terry with Sam Steele and Comtois? Well, yes, we, we had this discussion. They were very good as a line, but as we talked about, Sam or Troy Terry was the big play driver there. And as we saw with Sonny Milano, what does Trevor Zegers do really good with? A really good play driver. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that both Troy Terry and Sonny Milano are. And, and so that would be something that I would initially do and right away do. And it came out, though, during the game and, and that <laughs> I guess go. the logic from Jeff Ward, a, and I guess you could also probably throw Dallas Akins in this because – I mean, for those of, the, of you out there that don't know, Dallas Aikens is still definitely pulling the strings here. He's just not doing oh, the yeah. in-game coaching. Yeah. Um, and, and I would assume the logic behind this is is that, or not assume, this is what the broadcast actually said, is that the Ducks thought if they had Zegers centering his own line, the Bruins could do a hard matchup of Bergeron against that line and effectively shut him down. So instead, they put him on Getzloff's wing and put him there, I don't know, because my question in all of this is, if you put him on Getzloff swings, he's still going to be matched up against Bergeron. That yeah. that that doesn't go away. So it's not as if that changes anything. I guess maybe the logic is he's not going to be hard matched against him because he's not going to be the center on the line. But you're not spreading out your talent, really, if you're doing that then. Because the logic of having Zegers and Getzloff on two different lines in the normal fashion is that, sure, maybe you have Bergeron end up ending up uh, matching up against Trevor Zegers. And he shuts them down. That's very possible that that could happen. That's why you have Ryan Getzloff still. Because then who gets the easier matchups? It's the Getzloff line. And they can feast on that competition instead. And so, to me, it's just... It's puzzling because I don't necessarily see the logic behind it. Because the logic that was given to us doesn't make sense. Right. Right, exactly. I mean, you could do Zegers with... Like you talked about, Zegers with Terry... And then put Steele on the wing with Getzlaff and Raquel. Like we've actually seen Steele be okay mm-hmm. in that spot. Um, it just, it just feels like they don't trust him, right? Like that's what this is about yeah. to me. Like they, they do not trust Trevor Zegers to hold up his end of the bargain in all three zones. They just don't. Like we've seen it time and time again. And I really think that they are incorrect in that evaluation. Oh, the num- completely. The numbers show that he's one of their better play drivers, that he's not a liability defensively. Is he great on that end? No, but he's far from a liability. And so I mean, this he's, I- he's better than players that they think are good defensively. Yeah, so this idea that you have to hide him from certain matchups 
first off, is just wrong on its face because of what we know, you know, factually, statistically. But it's also weird because what is the end game here with Trevor Zegers? Like, when is he going to get to learn? When is he going to get to develop, right? I mean, for, for most of the year, it felt like they were getting that mostly right. And now it feels like we're reverting back into this well, dark era. Because at the end of the end of the day, what is the season about? Right. And, and and this is what we started with with all of this, right? Is that this season was never about making the playoffs. And I'd argue still it's probably not. This season's about developing these guys, allowing well, well, them to win games yeah. so that they can understand what they're doing for next season and put together a, a better process. And right. I, I think playing Trevor Zegris uh, in the way that they have and, and playing him with kid gloves at times. I mean, I don't think zone starts really are that important to look at in terms of evaluating on ice metrics, but it gives you an insight in terms, into how the coaching staff use the player. Right. And I think that that's the biggest takeaway that you can have. And Trevor Zegris has only started 2.97 of his shifts in the new, in the defensive zone. And now granted 7% to 2.97%. Okay. Okay. Got it. 2.97% in the defensive zone. It's 19% offensive zone, 14% neutral zone, 2 per, 2.9%. 2.9%, yeah, right? Like, yeah. They don't trust him. And, and then 63% on the fly. Yeah. So it's like, wh- when is he going to actually learn how to do this, right? Like, like what is the plan? And, and that's the problem where, yeah, you want to make the playoffs. You know, as a coaching staff, you, you want to win every game. But this season is still about the big picture. It's still about the long term. Well, and I just don't think that you can trust coaches to properly value the long the long term. Like you you can't expect that from them because they're trying to keep their jobs. I understand it. True. That's and true. that's and that's where I think this is maybe a drawback of not having a GM right now, not having like a clear leadership st- structure is that you don't really have that like I know that they're sticking to the plan and I know Jeff Solomon has said all that, but it's not quite the same. Right. And I think that that is a bit of a drawback right now. It feels like the coaches are kind of doing whatever they want. Right. And there's not really any kind of message sending about who needs to play and you know, what the ice time distribution should look like. I mean, look at Isaac Lundestrom, right? I I feel like he is the same steal of from 2019, 20 for Dallas Aikens this year, where no matter what he does, he just cannot be dislodged from his spot as the third line center. I mean, his numbers are, close to horrific well Um, and that's the funny thing is that how long did it take for everyone to turn on sam Steele? because back then everyone had the same everyone viewed sam Steele in the way that they're viewing isaac lundestrom now right and how long is it going to take until uh that starts to turn because let's be real here isaac lundestrom did not have a good game tonight he was constantly defending constantly stuck in his own zone he was primarily up against the the bruins second line of uh what was it uh, pa- Pasternak Hall and uh, I'm spacing on the third player on that line. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's Eric Hall as, yeah. thir- as the center of that line. And so they were constantly getting Sheldon. Part of that is going to be him. Part of that is going to be Derek Grant. Part of that's going to be Jake, uh, Jacob Silverberg. That That's just kind of how that line is set up. But it's just, you're not, you're giving Lundish from these looks. And I think the long-term concept is you're trying to get him these looks so he can be that shutdown guy long-term. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because in, in the but sen- you don't apply that same logic to Trevor Zegers, right? And and that's the weird thing is that should we be praising the Ducks for giving Lundestrom this long of a leash, right? If we're going to be critical of them, True. for not for not doing the same thing with Zegers, then maybe we should be with Lundestrom. So it, it's this weird catch twenty-two where I think that Lundestrom is has not been good despite what his box score stats say. Um, 
But by the same token, like, sure, at least organizationally, you're getting to see him in a pretty robust sample. Although I, I would push back on the idea that he's in his proper role right now. Um, so, so there's that, but with, it just seems like that doesn't carry over with, with Seagrass at all. Yeah. Yep. So it's, yep. it's hard to understand. And, and this goes back to the old adage where I think that coaches are not as good at coaching offense as they are at defense. They are more happy with letting guys play safe and maybe still get tanked on the shot clock as opposed to seeing an offensive player they, have one turnover and it resulting in a chance against, right? They would rather have a guy like Derek Grant, and this was a play that really stuck out to me where he was in the D zone, had the puck come to him on the boards, tried to chip it up the boards, didn't get it through. They held the the Bruins held it in, ended up creating chances against. Ducks iced it. They are then out there for an extended shift, more chances against. And and that's kind of the Derek Grant experience, right? He gets the puck on the board, tries to make the safe play chipping it, doesn't get it out. And they would almost rather see that happen than yeah. have a highly skilled player get the puck, try to make a play, and maybe it turns over high in the neutral zone and creates a goal against. But more likely than not, that's going to create chances going the other way by trying to make a creative play instead of making that safe chip off the boards. Right. And, yeah. and I think that that's really kind of where this comes from. And in reality, that chip off the board that doesn't end up doing anything is more harmful to your team long-term by continuing to to praise that type of play than just making allowing the the highly skilled player to make the play off the boards. And I mean, we've seen that with Troy Terry. Look at the the impact that he makes. How many times does he just chip it out off the boards? Right, exactly. I mean, not everyone can do that, but that's no. the whole thing, right? Well, I mean, that that's the concept of playing people in their proper roles also. Yeah. Like yep. like that that's the issue with that. So, yep. Anything I, else on this? Uh, I mean, just in the last week anything else that has stood out to you really i mean i think the one thing to focus on even though we just talked about a bunch of negatives i think the ducks did play an overall good game from a strategic standpoint i think that there are flaws with kind of the overarching uh lineup that they put together and some other kind of big picture things but i think taking a step back removing that i think the ducks played a really good game against a really good team tonight and i think that that does deserve more praise than we maybe have given it by focusing on this critique because we've we've given it a ton of praise i think fair Fair. But yeah, like it's there's always going to be something right that you can point to. And and that's part of the process of evaluating is that you take the good with the bad. Um, you try well, to kind of give everything its 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 adequate time in the sun, proper attention and, mm-hmm. and you and you and you carry on. Right? And I think that's also how you exp- how you can look at look for a team to get better. And, right. and the Ducks aren't a perfect team as of right now. They're not one of the league's best team. So how do they take that step from where they are at currently uh, into being one of the league contenders, being one of the, the perennial powerhouses in the league. And these little things, while they may seem minor with when we critique them, these are the types of inefficiencies that really get uh, can blow up in your face long-term. Yep. I also just want to point out, because it was kind of cool, uh, <laughs> Sam Carrick one-punching Nick Foligno tonight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just because I'm a big-time Nick Foligno hater because of his fight against Corey Perry in the playoffs last year after a clearly accidental uh, collision with John Tavares. So I just I hold that grudge, and it's Boston. So Let me, he, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. This is something that I was thinking about on my drive home. Mm-hmm. Sam Carrick's been excellent this season, right? Yeah, he has. And he also not only has been excellent from a like underlying metric perspective – yeah, he's got eight goals. Yes. Does he is a UFA this summer? Ooh. Does he have more trade value than Nicolas Delorier? Uh yes. 
I mean, well, I don't know. It should be the answer because I think he should. He's very clearly the better player. I don't know if how the rest of the league would view him though. Like, yeah, that that's up? my question because he's a guy that cleared waivers this year, but he's played fantastic uh, this year. I feel I mean, like there has to be a feel good narrative around him well, within the I, league, and there are teams that do value underlying metrics. I mean, he is the kind of guy that if you're a contender, you should go and get at the trade deadline. Oh because yeah, he's gonna make you better, and he's gonna cost you nothing. And he's he could be a great like, I mean, there's so many any contender but, could. And by the could way, really, I, I mean costs you nothing in terms of like his cap hit yeah a- any contender could really benefit from him colorado vegas toronto yeah all these teams could benefit from having a sam carrick on their fourth i line. mean but what's likelier to happen jake that they trade him or that they extend him Ooh, that's a good question because i feel like if you're the du- you know like it just seems to have the perfect setup i the- i would i would honestly not hate giving him a two-year deal well, I think that, like, what's he going to cost, right? It's not yeah. going to be... Like, if he gets the grant contract, right, um, which is, what, 1.3? 1.5, Jesus. Um, let's say he gets the grant deal, which was three times 1.5, I believe. How do you feel about that? Like, it's I think not, I'd pre- it's, No, it's, I... It's, it's not terrible. No, I, I think. think I'd prefer... I think I'd prefer it if it was two years, but I, I wouldn't hate it because I think he's a actually useful player. Right, exactly. And and he's the kind of guy that you're just going to need. And, and the other the thing is, is the value of him in a trade w- worth moving him out instead of keeping him? And, and that's, I th- that's I think, a genuine conversation with Carrick because I don't think the value would be really anything. Right, like what's he going to get you, a fifth rounder? Yeah. And, Probably. And so is that worth it when he actually provides value to your team on the ice right now? And now, granted, he's going to be 30 next season, so maybe I would be wary of giving him a three-year deal. Um. Also, I, doesn't doesn't play a, a very light style. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think giving him a two year deal would be perfectly reasonable, and I think that that's something yeah. that could be good for the Ducks team. Yeah, it's just you know, are they going to properly value that? I mean, do you think Nick Deloria is going to get traded at the trade deadline? Yeah, I think he has to, right? Like, it doesn't I, make it, like what what's the end game there if, if if you don't? Like, I feel like he's a guy. If they had wanted to keep him, he would have been signed to an extension by now. Right. It just it doesn't like, make a ton of sense to commit capital to him for any well, period of because time. Because if the like I feel like Nick Deloria is a guy where if the Ducks came to him and say, We want to extend you, here's what we're offering, I don't feel like there's necessarily a deal where he would say no to it, right? Yeah, like I it wouldn't be a long negotiation. <laughs> no. And, and so that's why I'm just like the con like contracts on the table and, and he would accept it. So I think the fact that he hasn't signed an extension is why I think that he is probably gonna be traded. I mean, it's something that we've we've heard with the Ducks, right? Listening to like thirty-two thoughts, is that mm-hmm. they're talking with everyone. Yeah. Um, we just don't know where they're gonna land. Yeah. On all that. So. Yep. Yep. I would expect i I would expect the Ducks to be pretty busy at the deadline around the deadline. I think they have to be. It just it doesn't make like we're past the Murray area where things just don't make sense. Mm-hmm. I think. Yep. They're gonna they're gonna do the the like normal thing to do. Yep. All right, okay. time for some questions from our Discord, and then we'll get to Twitch, and I then we'll get so. on out of here. I so, so. Uh, D Frenzy said, "Fun question. I just posted it in the hockey chat channel, but want to bring it into here. If Edmonton could somehow pry away John Gibson, are they a cup favorite? Don't think they have the assets to uh, to get him, but a fun thought experiment nonetheless. If Toronto, uh, Edmonton, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it feels like Edmonton needs more than just a, a great Agreed. goalie." Yeah, Agreed. I think that they're 
I mean, Ken Holland is one of the worst GMs in the league by a long shot. Like they they're defensively a mess. I don't know if just having John Gibson makes them a cup. I mean, it'll help. Yeah, it'll help. But we've seen it with the ducks. Like he can't, you can't expect that, that from him night in and night out. And like, what kind of, what kind of environment? Like, I, I think you would agree with this, that the, the Oilers environment defensively is worse than the ducks. Oh yeah. Like, 100%. Put a goalie into. 100%. And I don't know if that's going to benefit. I don't, I, it's definitely not going to benefit John Gibson. So no. Yep. Uh, Ken Pafu asks question. Should Aikens be in trouble if any random assistant coach can get behind the bench and the Ducks are scoring 742 goals? We should probably mention Stuthers was the head coach for the game on Friday where the Ducks put I'm up five goals. Now. Is it Stuthers or Stothers? I just, I can't, I can't decide with the, the, the broadcast. Um, regardless, no. I mean, shouldn't be in trouble. Like, it's still Dallas Aikens' show. It's still the system that... He's he's still the one pulling the strings here. He's not doing the in, in-game matchups or anything like that. Yeah. But I guarantee you he's in constant communication pre-game, uh, intermissions, everything like that. Yeah. He's and, telling them what to, to do. And the way that they've used the guys is pretty close to what we've seen. Like, I just... I don't think you can draw any conclusions there. Uh, DB Lowry, by the way, on our Twitch chat says, Oh boy, here comes Mr. McIntosh. Okay. Uh, with, with your stuthers or stothers. Actually, I have the pronunciation guide in front of me. Oh, they don't have it for assistant coaches. Darn. Oh, I mean, by the way, time to dunk on you. Uh, in the NHL's official pronunciation guides, it says Akins. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what do you mean? You, it, we've you, known this. We've you, known this. You tell him that he said his name wrong in that video then. I would love to. Ne- next time, I would, next time we interview him. Next time we interview him, Wait, you ask him about that. What was my theory on that again? Why did I? I don't remember. You had some theory. Oh, it was <laughs> to make it easier for people to remember how to spell it. I think. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, for anyone wondering, go watch his like Aiken Aiken Aiken's. Uh, he says it's it's for his uh his his charity thing. Yeah, charity thing. Let's but he back. pronounces it Aiken's. I legitimately think he did that to make it easier for people to remember how to spell it. Okay. Uh, Ken Pafu. Too far of a reach? Ken Pafu asks, do you think it was Aiken's call to put Zegers on the wing? Yes. Who else's call is it? Yeah. Not like Zegers' call. Je- Jeff Ward's not the one making the, these uh, these calls. Uh, our good friend Bonnie said, how do you feel about Lundestrom now? I don't think he's very good. Yeah, I, he, I don't think he's been that great this season. I mean, I also want to point out i don't think he's being used correctly Mm -hmm. but like again in the role he's been asked to perform he has failed yeah Uh, so um kempafu asks why are red wings fans the way they are i feel like a lot of newer ducks fans got exposure today to the red wings fan base in a way that they had not uh been exposed before because i've made it clear here many times the red wings are the only team that i really despise i i just have lots of pent up hate from all the years in the past and various different things like that. And I, I wanna, feel like uh, yeah. people had exposure to that with the fact that the NHL or NHL.com put out their mid season Calder and oh, yeah. Zgris winning it with cider and Raymond being behind him. And there was, uh, I mean, as you can imagine, Red Wings fans in the replies were completely, they t- they, they completely well. measured, completely they t- measured. It took it great. <laughs> there, there was no salt in there, no anger or anything like that. Definitely not an entitled, uh, any entitlement there. An entitled bunch. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out that there is this, there is this narrative of the Swedish slander, from me. 
I mean, the, their narrative is pushed by like maybe two people, three people. It, it's D.B. Lowry just trolling you I just want to. I just want to say it doesn't have to do with the fact they're Swedish. It has to do with the fact that these particular players are not playing well and are miscast by the coaching staff. It has nothing to do with where they're from. All right. Uh, Ryan said, what do our lines look like Look, uh, look like at the start of next season? Oh, interesting. Um, that's a good question. So let's see. I think that gun to your head is Ryan Getzlaff playing in the NHL next season. So his 32 thoughts interview, which actually we haven't discussed, by the way, felt, go felt check. Like a, felt like a farewell tour. Yeah, go check it out. Wonderful interview, by the way. Really heartbreaking when he talks about Corey Perry. By yeah. the way, we didn't even talk about that. Crap. Corey Perry's return to Anaheim almost scored. Yeah, cost me a little, little pretty penny. Yeah, yeah, just just Perry being Perry. But uh, Ryan Getzloff was asked about Corey Perry and, and if he misses him, and Ryan Getzloff just said, "Yeah, he's my he was my best friend on and off the ice. We did so much together." And he's like, "Of course I miss him." It was just sad, um, yeah. but wonderful interview worth listening to. Really goes in depth about a lot of things. Talks about how he really loves like kind of thinking about the management side of it. But he was asked during that about. Who do who does he think is going to be the last man standing from that 03 draft? <laughs> and it's got to be Perry, right? Well, and they asked him they were like it could be you and he's like no, he's like it's not going to be me. <laughs> and the way that he said that really kind of makes me think that and there was some chatter I think last year that he was maybe thinking about retiring, yeah. right? Or and that he was like no, I don't want to go out like this though. And kind of that interview along with that information makes me think he's not back next year. Wow. Well, you heard it here first, the prediction. Um, well, assuming he, like, this is this is the tough thing for the Ducks next season is that get, if Getzlaff is gone, Ricard Raquel is gone, uh, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Sonny Milano, but you're, you, those are some big chunks out of your top six. And so, I mean, the only two guys that to me are, like, absolute locks, I'll, I'll just be optimistic here and say, you know, for, on Sonny Milano's health front, that Milano is back. And then you've got Terry and Zegris. I mean, because Contois, does he end up being involved in a trade? We don't know. Um, and then after that, like, who are your who are your guarantees? Maybe Adam Henrique, you could throw him in there. I think Mason McTavish. I mean, yeah, but like, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities. I, I think there. the Ducks are going to have uh, Zegris McTavish one two punch next season. Well, that's my whole thing with the McTavish situation and and your willingness to trade him is that I think that they are in a tough spot up front well, without him my and this isn't something we even talked about that much nope <laughs> nope. with with whether i would be open to trading mctavish for chikrin and i think i would be but with the caveat that if that's happening i wouldn't do a whole anything else like i would maybe throw a first and maybe on top of McTavish. he's a very valuable piece i mean he, he is the third overall pick and, and so he's gonna be a front the caveat Canada. to that though mm-hmm. is that when you trade Lindholm, you have to get back a center prospect. Yeah, but who are you going to get back that's that, that that's anywhere near that? Oh, you're not. You're but you're not. hoping that you're recouping and getting a second line center to go behind Zegers. I mean, I, I guess let me ask you this: Are you in a better position without McTavish, but with Chikrin and let's say like a middling center prospect? Like, are th- you better off that way? I think without Hampus Lindholm, yes. I think it's a tough, tough answer. It is. I, I'd be closer to saying no. It, it's definitely. I mean, that goes to show that it might be a good trade, though, right? Uh for who? 
from a value perspective, right? Oh, sure. Like it's close. You mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think if I were the ducks, I would be very hesitant to trade McTavish because I would, a, no, I would I think, be too. No, doubt. I think he's going to be good. And maybe I'm falling into the trap of overvaluing prospects, but he's shown quite a bit. And like there's, there's, and again, maybe, maybe I'm over rating this as well, but I really think that their forward depth in the next year or two is kind of all up in the air. And so well, do you, do, do you want to go overpay for a, a, a middle six center in free agency? Cause like, that's basically the alternative here. So I don't know. Yeah. It, and I want to make it clear. I don't think that they necessarily should trade McTavish. I think that he shouldn't be completely off the table when it comes right. to specific in the, trades. in the right deal. Cause like I would have said, sure. Like if, if you have to put him in an Eichel deal, like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this, I mean, Chikrin's that level. Chikrin can be really good. Sure, sure. But and and you're losing your you, one of your top end defensemen. You're adding a number one D man. You're are you are you losing Cam Fowler? I think Chikrin becomes your de facto number one D man with Fowler become a, uh-huh. aging into his thirties. Well, that was more of a shot at Lindholm for me. Yeah, but fair fair enough. Um, all right. So let's let's. I know that we didn't actually do the lines, but. There was some discussion there. I mean, my, my answer is I don't know because yeah. it's it's just completely up in the air to me. Uh, JJ Stone Drum says, "Will Pennywise play at the Duck Stanley Cup celebration like the year they did, or this year like they did in 2007? Uh, Ducks winning the cup? Wait, was that Swedish slander? Oh, the Lindholm shot. Okay. Um, <laughs> are the Ducks winning the Stanley Cup? Sure." There you go. Uh, you heard it here first. I think App I said AG that said, in Discord on Friday. Do yeah. crows eat CTP podcast? <laughs> uh, we're just going to blitz through these. Will asks, is Greg Patteron not terrible? Uh, I'm still leaning towards bad. Yeah. Uh, Marty said, do the Ducks sign Carrick to a longer deal? Uh, what? Well, already talked about that. Yep. yep. Uh, Olaf is berserker said, probably something like... Uh, that's actually pattern, pattern might not be bad looking at stats now there you continue, go continue continue uh jesse said who would make a better forward fowler or mahura by the way mahura but we haven't talked about this either got hurt during the game yeah it looked like a rib to me yeah i mean he got crunched into the was it the post or the boards yeah post. um yeah better forward i i mean fowler is just the better hockey player so i'm yeah. gonna go with that yeah who would make a better defenseman gets off for perry <laughs> oh boy i think it's definitely gets laugh i think it's gets laugh also has to be yeah uh uh that guy bobsky said john gibson has 44 more wins to tie jay's Chaguer all in all times wins does he do it next season Ooh, i mean how many games would you have to play to hit that like 60 something yeah i'm gonna say two seasons for that yeah i'm gonna go no uh like, what's see. the all-time record like 49 47 in a season Wait, when did this happen? DB Lowry saying Getzloff actually played defense in one game against the Flames. How this do I not remember that? Ago. How do I not remember that? I mean, you think about it though. Like he's got that kind of upright style. He's a really good passer. He plays point on the power. In twenty seventeen. I don't remember that. I don't remember that either. Sixteen seventeen or seventeen eighteen. <laughs> Those two things are very different. <laughs> Jassity said another 25 to 30 games this year. Oh, never mind. This is also to Bob. Uh, Olaf is berserker said, does Felix get in and out for the second time this week? <laughs> well, now it would count as the first time this week, but had a have a great story about in and out by the way, but maybe I'll, you, I'll keep it to myself. It's up to you. If you want to tell it, you want to go for it. 
I mean, basically, I went to get in and out last night and forgot my card to pay, and I don't have Apple Pay, so now do I get Apple Pay? But they still let me grab the food without any sort of payment or anything. And so, now the question, your question, pain, by the way. And now your question in Discord makes sense, and the answer is obviously yes. Now I don't know. Do I want Apple to have all my information? They already do. Do they though? Some cost fallacy. Uh, that guy Bobsky said, uh, "Does Felix hit Onyx in Halo ever?" I think I will. It's going to take a freaking while, especially if I play with Bob more, because I just get wrecked playing against Onyxes all the time. Where was my invite for that, by the way? You did, oh, that was that, there was a Ducks game that night, and you were driving back. Oh, that's right. That's right. And you okay. just stiffed us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so there was your right. invite. Sounds about right. All right. So now we're, we're going to come to Twitch. So for those of you on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash spawn or on your favorite podcast services. Also, yes, please go to YouTube, like our videos there, comment there, subscribe, everything like that. YouTube is a really fun place where you get all the video elements of this. But a real fun thing is twitch.tv slash crash spawn where you can watch us live each and every Monday at 8 p.m. And you can join into the chat. You can also subscribe to the show. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. And you can be just like that guy. Bobski resub for 14 months. And said, "Shout out to Felix, a diamond in his eyes." Is oh. that is is that meant I feel to be like a, that's a, a Halo shot. shot? I think that's a Halo shot. I think yeah. that's a Halo shot. O dog eighty one resub for uh, eleven months. As uh, said, uh, this was early on, but Derek Grant with the tip in the power play goal. Uh, Literate does it count Gal- as a tip? Does it count as a tip if it hits your jersey? I don't I know. I think he was just kind of there. Literate yeah. Gal resub for forty months. Thank you so wow. much, Bonnie. Jassy resub for eleven months. So thank you all so much for that so start throwing your questions into the twitch chat we will start getting them i will try to scroll up and find some previous ones but if you post one please post it again uh shadow ops gaming said question what is the uh the likelihood the ducks sell their ufas especially lindholm also the ducks make a chicken trade before the new gm is announced all 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 the ufa (laughs) and trade deadline stuff all all the (laughs) all the hits i mean i don't think they get chicken i think they do but I think they okay, fine. I mean, they get chicken and they. I think they sell it. They sell the farm. Everybody yeah. goes. And here's the thing, and I've made this point many times now. You don't get chicken though unless you trade Lindholm. Yeah. So like, you 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 have to have a Lindholm trade done before you trade for chicken because you don't get chicken and have chicken Lindholm Fowler all on the left side. There's not enough minutes to be distributed around. No, um, what you do is you you do that and then you extend Lindholm. Yeah, exactly. You have all three of them locked up for for six years, and no, you and commit all of your cap to three guys in your blue line. Yeah, it, yeah, It'd be such a bad decision to do that. Uh, so regardless, I think it happens. I think they move Lindholm, and I think that's where they go. Lewis X two hundred nine said, "Which NHL team NHL team needs and not the Ducks a complete rebrand with their uniforms?" Oh, uh, did you see that Buffalo is going back to? Well, they're not going back, but they're adding a third. That's a reverse retro. And they don't need a rebrand because they just oh, did it's a their, rebrand. It's their third. Oh, it's their third? Oh, sorry. I thought it was the yeah. All right. What team needs a rebrand, though? Complete Com- rebrand. Complete rebrand. Oh, um, I think it's the Winnipeg Jets. That's my off-the-top-of-my-head pick. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that's a good one. They need a facelift. It's just it's gotten ugly. Um, I mean, you could throw the Coyotes in there you'd like wow <laughs> um actually maybe number okay there's a top three for me there's a top three uh in no particular order winnipeg dallas and columbus i think that you like those have to get better i'm just still shook over what you just said 
Should I th- should I throw Florida in there? Now Flo- I want to throw Florida and LA in there. LA LA's in there. Florida's in there. Edmonton's in there. I just don't understand the orange jerseys. You're not an orange team. Give it up. We've got enough freaking orange in the NHL as it is. Nothing about you is orange. Um, what other team? <laughs> Columbus, I, Columbus, I don't mind. No, dude. Columbus is just awful. Washington. Worst. Washington. Get uh, rid of the word script logo and go back to the, the eagle. Yeah, but they're not like in dire need though. They're not in well, dire now need. Now I'm just talking about teams that need it, not teams that are in necessarily dire need. Well, what was the question? Uh, uh what was Lewis's question? Needed the most. Yeah, needed the most. A, so I don't think I'd put Washington up there, but sure, like they could definitely stand to improve. I mean, hell, Tampa Bay Lightning, you could throw them in there. Oh yeah, the Tampa jerseys aren't good. They're just lame. They're a mix of the the Maple Leafs and the Red Wings. There's just nothing about them that's like cool or unique. Like yeah. I guess the one thing you can say is the, the lightning stripes. bolts, the lightning bolts in the pants. Yeah, but it's very very slim pickings. There. Oh wait, well he said not the Ducks, but the Ducks do need one. <laughs> yes. Do you think the Boston needs one? No. I feel like I feel like they're just gonna have those jerseys forever. They should. I mean, does Montreal need a rebrand? Well, no, but Boston has changed their actual jerseys many times. Like it's they've been, cha- it's been close to this a bunch, though. Uh, I mean, not if you're a true jersey head, you'll know the differences. I mean, look, the Canadians do need a rebrand in the sense that they need to get rid of the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The strings, collar strings. I know that's not the official. The laces. Term. The laces. Yes, burn those. Burn those and fix the collars. All right. What could the Ducks get for Gibson from Austin Price 529? Uh, a lot. <laughs> right? That's the answer. I mean, a first-round pick, a high-end prospect, and a roster player, right? Like, that's that sounds about right. Or am I yeah. overvaluing John Gibson? Sorry, say that one more time? Never mind. Just c- okay. carry on. Carry okay. On. I was finding the next question, letting you answer. Uh, SJ Hawkins said, are the Ducks in the playoff hunt at the deadline? Uh, yes. Like, look yeah, at I the think Pacific. So. It's, a, it's a shit show. Yeah, I think so. The Oilers are a shit show. The Kings aren't that much better. You're, and... you're the number one Kings hater. I, think I mean, they've been better this year than I thought, but sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, let's see. Oh, by the way, those Kings helmets are horrible. The ones they were wearing tonight. The chrome. You don't like those? No. You're, you're you're okay. It's time to call you out. It's time Why? to dunk on you. Um, <laughs> what? You're asking that like like a kid who's just in trouble because they've done nothing wrong. You're the <laughs> one because I haven't. You're the one that's always about you know entertainment value. Yeah. Be bold. Don't be yeah. a coward. Wrestling. Yeah. Showmanship. And mm-hmm. this is that. These those helmets are that. They oh, are that. Defined. When you do it though, you have to do it well. They didn't do it well. They're bad. Okay. Okay. They're bad. I mean, poor, poor form by you, but sure. They're bad. They're bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Ducks go said Zegers is leading the, in the Calder trophy right now. At least that's per the NHL. Do you think he will win? Uh, I mean, if he continues to put up points and he wins, like if he wins that point race, yes, he's winning. Ooh, which is not yeah, a I very agree. bold take, but DB think- Lowry, by the way, saying they better be, uh, or the Kings helmets would be better if they were metallic purple. I agree Ooh. with that. I agree with that. Ooh. The issue is it's just like Chrome. Like it's just boring. It's I mean, Chrome. I mean, yeah, 
I, I, I don't mind them, but yeah, sure. But yeah, I yeah. uh DB Lowry also chimed in saying, Who has the better one punch? Carrick on Felino, Bojme on Gin on a Ginla, or BX on Gudas? Oh, I have an answer to that actually. I mean it's BXA, right? No. Really? It's Bojme on a Ginla. Why? Because it's Strom Ginla? No, because it was a playoff game. It was a game uh what was it? Game oh, so six. We're, so we're we're factoring in like meaning the the meaning level of the game. He just said better one punch. What was the better one punch? The Bojme on a Ginla, where Bojme Aginla did not know Bojme was a lefty, and here's the actual on ice benefit from it. It got Aginla off the ice for five minutes in that series in a game the Ducks I mean, needed to win. If we're just rating the like actual punch and the form, I think it's BXA. I think it's the Superman punch, right? Well, like they, no one's ever done that. You know, it's like, I, it's a, you, to that you, degree. You can be wrong. I mean, I think I'm correct. You're just you're moving the goalposts, which is you fine. can be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay. Um, random question because Lewis brought this up in Discord. He was wondering if we were gonna find another random city in Canada. <laughs> I'm sure we can. I it's feel. I think I just found one, I, and I feel like I've heard of this. Do they have a hockey team though? Fort McMurray. Oh, I mean that's. That's not that random. Oh, have you looked at it on a map? I mean, I think maybe I'm getting this wrong, but one of the writers for the Canadians, Andrew Berkshire, is like from there. <laughs> yeah, look at I'm showing oh it on the map. God. Yeah, it's oh. far north. Holy shit. I think it's farther north than Yeah, it's farther Here's Flimflon. It's farther north than Flimflon. I mean, my whole thing with Fort McMurray is yeah, you've got a river. That's kind of nice, but Holy crap, there is just nothing. I mean, look, I don't want to... I feel like if we keep doing this, we're bound to insult someone, right? Like, that's... But here's my question, though. If you're a Fort McMurrayan, do do you disagree with what we're saying? Fort McMurray is an urban service area in the regional municipality of Wood Buffalo in Alberta, Canada. It is located in northeast Alberta in the middle of the Athabasca oil sounds surrounded by boreal forests. Uh, oh, yeah. I, oh, that's why I've heard of it. I feel like it's like an oilery thing. Yeah. Well, there was also a big fire there a few years ago, I think. So there you go for, uh, I think it was some, must've been related to the oil. Maybe. Or maybe it was was a that Fort McMurray? Fire. I feel like that. No, it was, a, it was Fort something. I think it was Fort. I mean, now, now I'm like zooming out in the map of Alberta. There's a golf club there. <laughs> Anyone I mean, want to go golf? <laughs> yeah. Anyone want to? Go golf and freeze your face off. PC man is like, they don't even call it a town. They call it a fort. Right. Also like what? No, they didn't even, what was the official name when you read that? It's Fort McMurray. Lo- it's no, oh, it's like, a, a regional municipality. A regional or, municipality. No, wait, sorry. An urban service area. Like what, what does that even mean? It's negative 16 degrees Fahrenheit there. That is absurd. Why? That is absurd. Why? Man, man. You There's know, a place called Tar Island right near there. I will say this. Look, I am Canadian, and I don't live in Canada. And I think I understand why players that are Canadian <laughs> don't want to go back when they when they get out. Because <laughs> so many of these guys come from these small little towns. And, like, yeah, they probably don't want to get traded to Winnipeg. I, I, I understand it. And, yeah. again, if you're a Canadian and you're listening to this, particularly if you're from one of these small towns, do not take this the wrong way. You know what we're talking about. 
it's all love. Yeah. I mean, O-Dog's asking us to dunk on some place in Saskatchewan. I mean, we kind of did that with Flimflon. I mean, Flimflon is just... It's Manitoba, but it's basically Saskatchewan. Like, there's Saskatchewan parts of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could could do this all day. No question. I mean, you, you could... My favorite thing is doing the little towns uh, in central California. To me, that's more fun. I found a random airport in Buffalo Narrows, Saskatchewan. <laughs> now I'm just going through Google Maps. <laughs> well, wow. Where is it? Where is this airport? Uh, it- now it's at Buffalo Narrows. <laughs> okay. That sounds like... Have you ever played uh, Skyrim? It, they have one review. Have you ever played uh, Skyrim? You- oh, there's no actual writing. It's there's just a, a five-star. There's a Tim Hortons, though, in Buffalo Narrows. There's a Crow's Nest Inn. I'm going <laughs> to... 38 reviews. So this... The room was quaint and beautiful. The staff were very friendly and accommodating. There's a subway nearby as well. Quiet little town. Very hospitable and nice. Would definitely recommend staying here if you're passing through and need somewhere to sleep the night. Yeah. Interesting. That was five. There's also a one-star. There's a school. Nice. Um... There's a couple churches, so some some godly people there. Uh, yeah, the Waterfront Inn. I'm kind of intrigued by the Waterfront Inn. Four stars out of five. Uh, facing the beautiful... What is the name of this lake? The beautiful Churchill Lake. There you go. Um, let's read a review. I, I'm not showing pictures of this. I can't Classy, find the reviews. Great re- Darn. <laughs> wow. This podcast uh, oh, has there just we go. become... Oh, it's one out of... Wow, there's two consecutive one out of five star reviews. Oh, this there is not, it is. Oh, man, I'm not even going to read this out loud. I don't want to give the Waterfront Inn a bad rap. Um, five out of five. Five, five out of five, though. Pelican Tavern is a great time. Be sure to check out the boat rally in August or Canada Day festivities. There you go. Love it. I mean, squeaky, it looks, squeaky it looks clean car wash. Oh, there's a camp. There's a college campus. This looks like a fun place to just drink a lot. <laughs> You're overlooking the lake. You go there for Canada Day weekend or whatever. Just, just, just slam some Molsons. I, I could, hey, I could be, I could hey, be talking into that. Hey, yo, Deeplo saying waterfront and not being a CTP sponsor confirmed. Buffalo Narrows Airport though. Is there oh, a bar? Chur- Churchill, Narrows Manitoba, Airport? I guess, is the polar bear capital of the world. What has this podcast become? Wait, really? Pol- I mean, let's see. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're not far from the North Pole, so yeah, this is this is a disaster. <laughs> this is, this is worse than the last time I. Think. I blame I blame Lewis. <laughs> I mean, the the sad thing is that we could do the same thing with Calgary and Edmonton. Like, I feel like it's equally in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I mean, Edmonton, like, <laughs> my God, have you seen how North Edmonton is? PC Maine just said this is Lake Havasu, but for Canadians stuck in iceberg hell. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's a reason that all the biggest cities in Canada are like, you know, hugging the border. Yeah. It's just uninhabitable at a certain point. Yeah. I mean, look at how far south Montreal is in comparison to everything. Montreal, well, Toronto specifically. I mean, Toronto is basically in America. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry if this offends uh, our, our Toronto listeners. I think we have some actually. We definitely uh, do. Yeah, Montreal. I, I mean, yeah. Like, like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, like, Toronto's like, at- further south than. No, they're not further south than Detroit. I'm looking at a map. They're north, north, more north than Detroit, but they are further south than parts of uh, parts of Michigan. Yeah, 
I mean, parts of Wisconsin, parts of Minnesota, parts of North Dakota. Like They're yeah. further south than all of North Dakota. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Toronto, I don't know. I'll, 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 I will hold my hold my tongue. Okay. I don't think it's the most Canadian city. There. Is that is that a... Is, uh, you, is said that you, were, much of a you said you were going to hold your tongue. <laughs> and America. I just said, okay. And then you, I didn't even provoke you into saying that. Change my mind. I mean, anyway, yeah. One thing I okay. One thing I will say about Canada that it would be beautiful to check out is the maritime provinces. So like New Brunswick. I, w- I was Scotia. very close to there when I was in Maine. Yeah, I mean it's it's beautiful over there. Yeah. Um, cold as cold as hell, of course, but you know that's just par for the course. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know what just happened there. I don't. I I honestly don't either. I'm kind of ashamed. I feel dirty a little bit. I mean, you were the one that just kept it going with with attacking. What do you mean, Toronto? What do you mean? You were the one just scrolling around Google Maps. Um, all right. <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's. <laughs> I love Heyo Devo's comment. Edmonton's geographic location makes the Oilers' utility so much more depressing. It's like, yeah, you suck, and you're in Edmonton, and you have to answer questions from Jim Matheson. Hey Jake, why are you so pissy? <laughs> why are you so pissy today? I mean, you're just gonna go right about it. You know everything. Oh man, that was one of the worst interactions I've ever seen. Like just oh. the la- the lack of respect and professionalism from Jim Matheson. Yep. Tr- truly one of the worst people. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Just I mean, burying we're, we're, us. We're, we're so far into the podcast though. Like the amount of people actually that are gonna hear this is so much lower yeah so it's okay we we get all our we get all our cursing and all our shots in at the end so anyone listening to this is made to the end and yes we see all of you in twitch obviously Mm -hmm. uh reply to us on twitter saying you listened to the very end and heard this shit show yeah yeah just reply shit show yeah just 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 tweet at us shit show and we'll (laughs) we'll understand and like please make it clear you don't mean like it was a shit show like it was a shit show there's a key difference there yeah I don't also, really know. Also, by the way, really weird puzzling take today in our Discord chat. Someone said that they can't tell the difference between a New Zealand, Australian, and South African accent. They Isn't are all they, very close. I feel like they're not at all. Like They're, they're all very, very close. I think Australia and New Zealand in particular are like very obviously different. They, they are different, but they are close. And South Africa is just so just out of this world different. I think it's one of those things where if you had ever, all like people with those accents side by sides, you would be able to uh, hear the difference in all of them. But taken by themselves, you uh Now you we're going to insult our Australian listeners and New Zealand listeners. I mean, we, John, we sorry, to. John. Sorry, John. We have no, a friend I'm a, of ours. I'm team I'm team John here. I'm saying that the New Zealand accent all right. is like... CJK Chell with a very important question that's near and dear to my heart. Thoughts on man sandals? What, what What's that? I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming he means like rainbows. I'm very pro rainbow. I, I wear them daily. Same. So yes, I am very anti Crocs. Crocs should not be worn. I was given <laughs> a free pair, and I'm tempted to burn them. <laughs> First off, what a waste. Secondly, I'm pretty sure that would like pollute the crap out of the atmosphere. So, well, just, ra- just wear, rainbows wear are better. Crocs. Where are the Crocs? What's a shoeby? Are you a shoeby though? No, I am not a shoeby. Shoebies wear shoebies wear shoes to the beach. Ooh, yeah, that's a brutal, brutal decision. Yeah, it, it's a it's a rocket power slang. 
there are days where I will, yes, wear sandals on the beach if it's the sand is really hot or really cold, but you got to go barefoot, no? Yeah. Socks and sandals is, I just think it's a poor, poor form. Oh, yeah, that's what a shoebie is, is socks and sandals. You're right, D.B. Lowry, my bad. Yeah. Super Bowl picks. Ooh. <laughs> all right. You know what? I'm just going to go full out there and just say Bengals win it all. Wow. That would be awesome. I mean, I, I think, like, obviously the pick is Kansas City Chiefs at this point, right? Like, that's what everyone's going to pick. But I'm going to go San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Felix, have you ever watched Rocket Power? Uh, I did watch it a bit when I was a kid. But not should, enough to like memorize all these should we jokes. Do, so you don't know if I say we are riders on a mission, action kids in play position, rock power. That doesn't ring a bell? Not especially. Damn. Yeah. Didn't have a childhood. Did not. You really didn't. We should, I mean, I, we, I, had a, I had a fantastic childhood. I mean, yeah. you you said it yourself right now. You did not. <laughs> why are we still Why are we still recording? I don't know. You're the <laughs> one that kept this going. Why are we still recording? <laughs> um. Yeah, Super Bowl pick is 49ers, though. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you have made it this far, I'm I'm just I'm commending you. Uh, I'm worshiping you. You are the best. If you haven't made it this far, that's fine, too. You know, I get it. Uh, you know, you got a busy day, things to do. I aren't hearing you say this. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. But if you want to support what we do here on the podcast, there's a few easy ways for you to do that. <laughs> The number one way is the Patreon, our Patreon page, which we talk about endlessly, but it's just so much fun. Uh, Patreon.com slash crash the pond for $1 a month. You can have access to our awesome community, our Patreon discord, where you get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans, talk about the team, talk about food, talk about anything you really want. And you're just going to be in there with an awesome community of people who just want to be there to just have a good time. No negativity whatsoever. Um, that's for $1 a month. Now for $5 a month, you get access to the Discord chat, but you also get access to two bonus episodes. We go in depth on the league. We go in depth more on the ducks. We're more unfiltered. Uh, it's just a whale of a time. And if the, if the last 20 minutes are any indication, like that's kind of, you get a little bit more of that, I would say on the Patreon pod, um, that's for $5 a month. And if you just really, really, truly love this show and you want to support us at an elevated amount, you can pledge us $15 a month. Um, you will have our eternal gratitude. That's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Now, if you don't want to commit any financial, uh, don't want to take on any obligations there, it's completely understandable. You can still support us. Uh, search for us on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review. If you do that, we'll read it on the show. Those go a really long way in helping us grow. Um, you can also find us on Spotify. You can, I think you can leave ratings now on Spotify. Yes, you so can leave do, ratings. Do that. Please do that. Um, Maybe we'll get to a point where there are reviews in Spotify, but not yet. That's okay. Still love Spotify. Um, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us at youtube.com slash crash the pond. Uh, you get the video feed of the show. You get the Twitch stream. You get to see the charts. You get to see all the stuff uh, that our Twitch subscribers and viewers get to see while we're doing this. Outside of that, make sure to check out our website, crashthepond.com. Jake has an article going up this week, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to write it tomorrow. Is that a spoiler? Uh, Too much of a spoiler? And hey, yo, D-Flow, our good friend uh, Mike is going to have an article going up, I believe, tomorrow, kind of doing a kind of a, a look at the Pacific Division and where it's at right now for every team and kind of breaking it down for fans to understand not only where the Ducks are, but where every team's at. 
Yeah, a lot of good content going up at CrashThePond.com. And if you want to support us there as well, you can check out our shop. So you can purchase a hoodie or a t-shirt with your color, your pick of color. We actually have an Eggplant and Jade logo as well as an orange and black logo. So Jake is rocking the Eggplant and Jade right now. Uh, gray hoodie. Looks great. Looks great. Great great pick there. Um, that's at CrashThePond.com slash shop. Uh, you can find Jake on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. CrashThePond is on Twitter at CrashThePond. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. I will have an article going up this week at the fourth period. Yes, my job is on the line there. You start writing more. So putting out player grades, uh, I know not the most original, but it's going to be pretty stats heavy. It's going to be pretty in depth. Um, I think you can definitely get some value out of that. So with all that being said, thank you so much for listening, everybody. It's been a blast. It's been a ride. And we will talk to you in a week. Have a good one. Bye.